0: Hey, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Hey, how about worship this morning, huh? Yeah. Woo! I don't think uh, we were, I was talking with the worship team uh, before we came out here this, this morning, and um, it is so awesome. Uh, oh, how I wish I had talent to sing. And poor Jessica, I'm, I'm yelling at her while she's singing, and she's going, oh, he's tone deaf. Yeah But how wonderful it is that we get to worship God in song collectively, and y'all are so powerful. y'all are so powerful. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Mm, give yourselves a hand. Come on, come on. come on. Hey, I want to remind you, as uh, Gabby just uh, told us, we do have these devotional books that uh, the pastors we put together. And God love Katie Robbins, who worked so much behind the scenes, kept on, amen. Come on, give her a shout out. Yeah. Now, I will tell you that Yayo and Caleb, they were really good at getting their devotional sections in real easy. Uh, Jason did a really good job, and I was the weak link. And so Katie kept on prodding me, John, John, John. And so, but we are, uh, we're very excited to offer this. And I hope that if you did not pick one of these up yesterday or last Sunday that you would because we're doing a week-by-week study. There's five studies or five devotional thoughts per week, and we're going through the six chapters of the book of Ephesians. Um, If you did not get one of these and if you're online and you would like a copy of this, Uh, Your online host is going to post a link where you can get this. You can get a PDF version of this. So I hope that you all will take this and that you will dive into it. All right. And if you don't like it, then blame Jason. Okay. Yeah. So no, I'm joking. Before we get going this morning, I think, and I love how Jason does this. We need to have prayer. We need to have prayer. So let's do that together. (sighs) Father God, we just come to you. And we are so grateful that we are able to gather here today. We are grateful for um, the opportunity to worship you. And as every Sunday we come here, we know that people's weeks, some of them have been hard. Some people walk into this place and they are just beat down. Some people feel completely lost. And Lord, there may be people that have walked in here for the first time today or who are watching online for the first time today because of an invite. God, I ask that all that we do today would bring you honor and glory so that all of us who are heavy burdened and for those that are coming and trying to seek you and to find out who you and your son are, God, that we would do it in such a way to be very attractive and be that sweet-smelling aroma to you. God, I ask that your presence would be in this building, that your presence would be with our online campus, that you would fill us with your spirit. And Lord, most of all, I ask that it be your words that are heard today, not John's, your words. And I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ and all that agree say, Amen. 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 Hey, we are going to be in the second chapter of the book of Ephesians. So if you've got that, I'm going to ask that you would open up to that either on your app or again, if you're at home, if you've got your Bible there, we're going to go kind of right through uh, the second chapter here. And I think it's really good. I want to start off with something and I realize I'm about ready to show my age, but how many of you know what this scene comes from? What movie this comes from? What movie this? There it is. 1985. And I was not in high school. I was actually in college, okay? So, yeah. All right. So I absolutely, you know, growing up as, a, as an 80s kid, this was one of those, you know, profound movies. There was that in Fast Times at Ridgemont High and what was the other one? Risky Business. All of these really bad movies, okay, that your kids should never see, all right? Yeah. Um, But one of the things with me, you know, this, I think it resonated so much because like everyone else, we are all trying to find a group to get involved with. And I thought at the time when I was in high school, these were the five groups that we had. You had, first of all, you had the freak, all right? And then you had the jock, and then you had the weird girl, and then you had the preppy or the princess, and then eventually you had the nerd. And the reality is that all of us were trying to find in and get into some type of a group. Because if we can get into a group, we can find, uh, you know, we can find identity there. Because none of us like to be a lone wolf. And all of us wanted to be in the in crowd, whatever that was. All right? And Without that, and actually I've been doing a bunch of studying, Uh, some of you know I'm back in school and working on a a counseling degree, uh, or I'm actually becoming a licensed professional counselor, which is frightening uh, in itself. But um, we're talking about development, and during these adolescent years, it's so important that you find your group to find your identity. As I was doing some research uh, this week, I found that there are no longer just five groups as what I grew up with. I saw as many as 24 different social groups in which kids are trying to find their place in. Let me give you a name of some of these, okay? Some are the populars, the jocks, they still stick around. These are the meatheads, and I was a meathead. See, it's very important that I tell you that I was a meathead, okay? Yeah, because that was my identity. That was my identity. There are this now, there are the good at, people that are just good at stuff, and they just get along real well. There are the fine arts people. Those are the kids that get into music and drama and painting and stuff like that. And then we start, uh, and then there's the brains, uh, we called them the nerds when I was in high school. But the reality is that all of us jocks now work for all the brains. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So remember that. If you're in high school and you're a jock and you're making fun of them, you will work for them one day. Okay. Yeah. Um, there are the floaters. And these are the ones that actually are able, are they're good in whatever situation they get into. All right. But then we start kind of going a little bit lower, and there's the, the normals. And sadly, the normals are the ones that kind of don't fit anywhere, and they really don't show up on anybody's radar. And these are the ones that we really kind of start getting a little worried about, because they do need their peer group. They need to find that friendship so that they can begin to find identity and things along those lines. And then we really start kind of going down and this starts becoming some destructive behavior we have the druggies we have those that are uh involved in drugs uh and heavily and and trying to do a number of things we've got the anime and the i hope i pronounced this right the mangas did i say that right mangas 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 okay all right uh all i know is that it has to do with japanese animation okay uh, and then there are the loners that just kind of don't go anywhere. Uh, in, in other words, they, they just completely stay off by themselves. And then finally, one of the groups is there's very distinct racial and eth- uh, um, eth- ethnicity. Boy, that was a tough one. That's an SAT word, apparently. <laughs> These ethnicity groups that stay very close together. All right? But the reality is all of us are doing this. And I will tell you that even in our own lives, that and even as Christians, there is this idea of trying to find our group. All right? We all want to feel like we belong someplace. But one of the things, especially, and remember this, if you're in high school, and if you are in high school right now, our pursuit to try to get into a particular group, we are willing to, sh- to throw up barriers to other people. In our desire to find purpose and meaning and identity in ourself, we will allow ourselves to do some pretty boneheaded things and to hurt other people as long as I feel good. As long as I can get into the right people, I can feel good. All right? And so Paul reminds us in this in Ephesians when he tells us in chapter 2, verse 3, he says, listen, all of us also lived amongst them at one time in other words what he's saying we all were scrapping for our place all right we all lived amongst this we all did these things before sometimes we're still doing them now but we're trying to find our place and where we're going to be and where we're comfortable and he goes we lived we were at this place one time we were gratifying the cravings of our flesh Again, I'm trying to find my happy place. I'm trying to find where I fit in, and we will follow. And Paul says, we're gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. And so in doing this, we exclude others, we create barriers, we refuse entrance and access into our group, our clique, and we've treated others less than or unequal, now, how many of us are now hoping as adults we are getting past this and we are seeing that everyone is actually an image bearer of God? If you've, you guys have heard me say that a hundred times over, all right? And it's so important that we recognize that everybody we come in contact with not only are image bearers of God, but they are eternal beings. The question is, where will they spend eternity? C.S. Lewis reminds us of that, that everybody we see is eternal. It's just a matter of where you or I or that person will spend eternity. And so if we start putting up barriers and pushing people out and things along those lines, we are pushing people away from God. How bad would we be if we tried to exclude people From Jesus. Just because maybe they're completely different than us. But if I have eyes to see and they are people made in the image of God, there should be this desire for me to want to share and to show who Jesus is to them. All right. Let me give you just a little bit more background on the book of Ephesians. One of the beautiful things, and, and Jason covered this last week, and such a good job. If you have not seen the first, uh, if you didn't see Jason's message last week, I really want to encourage you to go back. You can find it on the webpage, mtarat.org. You can find the video link to that and rewatch this. One of the things, and scholars, most, most New Testament scholars believe that part of the writing of the book of Ephesians... Was for Paul, there was a very real thing that was happening with the Jewish Christians. They were starting to feel a little uppity about themselves. And let's face it, they were originally the people of God. But what Jesus is doing is, and what the book of Ephesians is trying to lay out, is that God wants to bring unity. To the people of the people of Israel or the, the people of God, and understanding that God has taken down all the barriers, all the things that would preclude people from being in this group. But yet the Jewish people they're starting to get a little uppity. And so Jesus is saying unity is the key to us because there is an eventual goal that Jesus has in mind by creating one people group out of the many. Does it make sense? As you read through the book of Ephesians, I'm gonna challenge you to find and to see and to highlight those words that talk about unity. He will use the word unity, but then he'll also say both, we, us, together. Those types of words. Those words are inclusive, and that's what God is ultimately doing, is that he started with a small people group, Israel, to begin to show the world who God was, and also he began to show the world that the only way that sinful man can come into the presence of a holy God is A, to be perfect or to have a perfect sacrifice. And so Jesus becomes the perfect sacrifice because you and I, we will always fall short. Everyone will fall short. We just read that in, in verse three, that all of us, all of us have, Romans talks about that all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. And so we need that perfect sacrifice in Jesus. All right, with that in mind, to kind of set the ground rules, I'm gonna take you through chapter two. If I can get my notes ready. Okay. One of the things that Jesus is doing is he is breaking down all the barriers that prevent us from being able to be in this group. He says in verse 11, he says, therefore, remember that formerly You who are Gentiles by birth are called the uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenant of the promise without hope and without God, without God in the world. Many And as I told you, many Christian scholars believe that these Jewish people were really trying to... I don't know if they were actively trying to push out the Gentiles, but they're reminding the Gentiles that, hey, listen, there was this time, and by the way, if you're not Jewish, you're a Gentile, all right? So I am thinking the vast majority of us here would be considered Gentiles. And at one point, we were excluded from this. And there were all these barriers. But again, what God is doing in Jesus is he's tearing down these these barriers. And the Jewish Christians were trying to exclude people, trying to create just this enclave for, for themselves. And I will tell you that even today, some of us can do that as well. Think about it. How often do we kind of build our little shelter around and we can become very, very protective and almost exclusive, and you're either in Jesus or you're out of Jesus. But the thing is that we, one of the things that we can do is by being so exclusive, we repel others, or, even more so, we create these walls and these barriers. Now I don't want to be a person that builds walls. I like gates. I like gates that swing open. Swing open to let in. Swing shut to keep evil out. I love gates that that swing open to allow the, the bad that is within me out. And allow the good to come in. I don't want to build walls. We don't want to be building walls. We want to be people, no kidding, that are for one more, which means there is a gate here. There is a gate to allow people to come in. Unless we forget, all of us, were at one point in our lives, we were excluded. Verse 12 of this, I want to put a few words to it. I want us to read it again. I want you guys to see this. Remember that at one time you... And Paul is saying, that's plural, y'all, all of us, that you were separate from Christ, that you were separated from Christ. All of us were excluded from citizenship in Israel. And all of us were foreigners to the covenant of the promise. And all of us were without hope. And all of us were without God in the world. It's okay to put you in scripture. It's okay to understand that though Paul is talking to a larger group, there is still a personal aspect of scripture that needs to speak to our hearts. And so in our need to bring unity, bring unity to everybody that comes in here, we need to remember first of all that, hey listen, there was a time when I was outside the gate. Some of us were really far outside the gate. But the reality is, it doesn't matter if I'm miles away from the great gate or I'm just outside of the gate, I am out. I am not in the corral. I am not in the kingdom. And so when I understand that and I begin to understand from what I have been delivered and the grace that has been poured down on me, it is easier for me to be a gate. It's easier for me to say, hey, listen, I need for you. I want for you. I... I, I, I got something that is life-changing. Will you come and that you will, come on in. It's a free invitation, come on in. And the great thing that puts all of us, all of us on equal footing is the simple word, caris, grace. We are saved by grace through faith. I love what Paul says here in verse eight, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith and it is not from yourself, it is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. Just in case I think that I got all my stuff in one sock, it is grace. It is grace that equalizes all of us at the foot of the cross. When we all come to the foot of the cross, and we find who we are apart from God, and we taste the grace that God has given us, the free gift of absolute real life, we find life. When I understand that, and I understand the grace that saves me, I want to be a person that extends grace to others. Jesus calls us to be a steward with what has been given to us. We normally talk about that in regards to finances. Be steward of your finances. But I say we need to be stewards of everything that God has given us. God has given us the capacity to love. I need to love others. God has given me the capacity to empathize with others. God has given me the capacity to enter into relationship with others. And God, through his incredible wisdom, saw me, saw you in all of our sinful state and still passed out grace to us. And so with that grace I've received, I need to be a steward of that with everybody I come in contact with. Amen. Yeah. Grace is the great equalizer. Paul's going to go on and he's going to talk about here um, in verse 13. Come on, John. I love this part. When I understand the grace that has been bestowed upon me, I understand that where I've come from. I love this verse 13. But now, but now in Christ Jesus You who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. That but now means that we are no longer. That but now means things are new. But now... I used to live with no hope, but now, but now I do have hope. But now I have citizenship, but now I have access. I have access to God Almighty. I can, you can, we can walk into the throne room of God and lay our petitions at his feet. We can lift him up in glory and in majesty and in worship and praise. I no longer am excluded. I have full rights within the household of God to come to the Father and say, hey, Dad, I got this. Hey, Dad, thank you so much. Hey, Dad, I need your wisdom. Hey, Dad, I need your advice. And this is the deal, when we go to Dad, you know what? We're, most of the time we're at the end of ourselves. So do me a favor, okay? Don't take your plan and measure it with God's plan and put it on a scale and figure out which one you're going to do. James talks about that, that if I lack wisdom, then ask God who gives it abundantly. But when I ask, don't doubt. Otherwise I'm going to be like a wave blown and tossed by the wind. When I go into the throne room of God, he's given me full access. He calls me his child and he brings me there and I say, God, I don't know what to do. That's a really good place. It's a fearful place, but it's a really good place. I don't know what the next step is, God. So what is your plan? What shall you have me do? And I will rest in the unknown until you show this to me. I will rest in this until you show me and then I will move according to your great will. Paul says, for he himself is our peace. I'm in verse 14 now. When I understand the but now, For it is God that is my peace, that it is Jesus that is my peace. For he himself is our peace, speaking of Jesus, who has made the two groups one. Do you see that this is unity? We were once outsiders, but now he's brought us in. He gives us an identity. He gives us meaning and purpose. And most of all, he gives us our peace. He is our peace, who has made the two one. He has destroyed any barriers, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law and its commandments and regulations. His purpose, you ready for this? His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility he came and preached peace to you who were far away which would be you and i and peace to those who are near for through him we both we both have access to the father by one spirit do you see what he's saying there's a purpose here and we have this all the time we have two camps it could be Jew and Gentile, Democrat, Republican, white, black, Hispanic, Asian, redskin, excuse me, commanders, cowboys. <laughs> <laughs> Old dog, new tricks, we know the story, okay? <laughs> but the thing is, we can allow so many things to separate us. But what God is saying and what Paul is saying and what Jesus is doing is, listen, I'm trying to reconcile everybody. I'm trying to bring everybody together. I wanna leave you all with two points here, and these are Paul's points from the last part of this chapter, all right? Paul says in verses 19 and 20, he says, consequently, you are no longer foreigners. Foreigners. Now, he's talking to us. We are no longer foreigners or strangers. We are no longer trying to get into the clique. We are in the clique. We are, boy, that's a bad word. We are in the group. And by the way, this is a really cool group to be in. All right? Where there's unity, not necessarily uniformity. In other words, we all look the same, talk the same, have the same gifts. No, it's absolutely different than that. We all have different looks, we all have different skin colors, we all have different gifting, but we are unified under the banner of Jesus Christ. He says, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. We're no longer orphans, we are children. And we are built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. See the New Testament there and the Old Testament. The prophets of the Old Testament. The apostles of the New Testament. Jews, the prophets. Gentiles, the apostles. And he's bringing them together. And Christ Jesus himself is our chief cornerstone. And so this is what I need for you to know. I don't know if you feel like you've been on the outs. I don't know if you think that you don't belong. I need to let you know that the gate is wide open right now. You belong. We belong. Because of what Jesus has done. Understand that Jesus is bringing unity. And then the purpose in which he is doing this is the last two verses out of this chapter. He says, in him, the whole building, that's you and me, Jew and Gentile, black and white, Hispanic, Asian, whatever ethnicity group you are, wherever walk of life you are, blue collar, white collar. In him, this whole building Is joined together and it rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in Him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. Do you not see that what Jesus is doing is that He is building the church? This is the temple. This also is the temple in which the Holy Spirit lives. This is the temple in which the Holy Spirit lives. Now, Jason's going to talk next week about chapter three, but one of the things in chapter three that Paul says, I'm going to give you just a little thing here. His intent, verse 10 in chapter three, Jesus' intent, God's intent was that now through the church The manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. God is building his church and we have a purpose. And so my second and last point is this. We are all under construction. God will continue to build this church and build you and I because there's a purpose so that he will be magnified so that he will be glorified and you ready for this we get to partner with God now I don't know about you but when that gate when I was far from the gate the idea of being able to partner with God Seemed absolutely foreign. But yet, but now, but now, there is purpose, there is meaning, there is identity, there's everything that I have wanted. And it's all in the name of Jesus. Maybe the word is. I find wholeness in Jesus. In just a moment, our prayer team is gonna be up here. I'm gonna ask you, where are you? Maybe you have felt like you didn't belong, but I will tell you that you do belong. And if you need those words spoken directly to you, one, I'm asking you that you would hear me. If you're online and if you're hearing these words, you belong. The kingdom needs you. The kingdom wants you. And so if you have never stepped into the kingdom, the invitation this morning is for you. I'm going to ask that you come forward, that you would speak to anyone on the prayer team. Come and speak to me. We'll pray together. I'll walk you through the steps of salvation. You know how easy it is? I just want to hear and I want you to verbalize to God. I'm a sinner in need of a savior and I want inside the gate. I want inside the gate. Now some of us, some of us have been locking the gate. Take the lock off. Let's open it up for others. In doing so, you're gonna find incredible freedom. So where are you in this? What is your next step? I think I'm getting to the point where I ask you that every week. I don't know exactly where each of you are, but you do. And I would tell you that God is speaking to you right now and that he is speaking to your heart and that there is some type of next step. So what is your next step? Have you been fighting against God building you up? Have you been fighting against the purpose of God? Have you been still trying to find your own unique place? Well, let me tell you what, the greatest unique place ever is in Jesus. Would you come and partner with him? Don't fight against him, partner with him. And in that, you are gonna find freedom like you never knew before. You're going to find joy like you never knew before. You're going to find peace like never before. Father God, I come to you again, and I'm grateful for your word, and I'm grateful for this church, and I'm grateful that your spirit is here, and it's alive and active, and then right in the middle of this, your lampstand burns brightly. God, may we be people of unity. May we be people who understand the but now because we've been delivered from so much. There is great responsibility that comes with this. May we embrace it. May we rejoice in it. And may we just have fun being your children. God, I know that there are some out here that feel like they don't belong. God, I'm asking you in the name of Jesus Christ right now that you would press in on them, that you would press in on their heart, that you would break through any hardness or any apprehension, that they would understand that it is you that is knocking on their door and that today is the day for them to say, Jesus, I am all in. I want inside the gate. God, would you give them the courage and the strength to either walk up here and speak with somebody on the prayer team or walk with me, come up and talk with me. But most importantly, Lord, that they would speak to you and allow them to claim you as Lord and Savior of their life. And though they may not know what that means, but that's a heck of a first step. And that gate swings wide open when we do that. God, give them the words and the courage to do that. And for the rest of us, oh God, may we be your people and allow you to build us to exactly what you want us to be, a great temple housing your Holy Spirit that is reflecting your glory in all that we do. And I pray this, oh, I beg this, In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, amen Amen. and amen.